Nature has a way sometimes of reminding man of just how small he is. She occasionally throws up the terrible offsprings of our pride and carelessness to remind us of how puny we really are in the face of a tornado, an earthquake, or a Godzilla. The reckless ambitions of man are often dwarfed by their dangerous consequences. For now, Godzilla, that strangely innocent and tragic monster, has gone to Earth. Whether he returns or not, or is never again seen by human eyes, the things he has taught us remain. Welcome to the History and the Mystery, Third Eye Edify podcast. And today's episode is going to hit home for me and possibly for a lot of other people too. I think that some of the things I've tackled recently have already done that, but this is a very unique, what is sure to be a unique episode as far as things I have planned versus things I've already done. And um, that little clip there, is from the American release of Godzilla 1984. It's called Godzilla 1985. They put Raymond Burr in and made a whole chopped up version for the American audiences. But that ending, which I heard was actually written by Raymond Burr himself, uh, Perry Mason, as he was known back in the day, who also appeared in the very first uh, commercial release in America of the Godzilla series which is why they brought him back, you know, uh, nearly 30 years later, or I'm sorry, a little over 30 years later. Um, he mentions the things he has taught us remain. And that's, I was thinking about that as I was putting together my ideas for this episode. Who have you had as a teacher in your life, other than your parents, other than your family, friends, mentors, teachers, whatever kind of schooling, whatever kind of teaching you had. Who else has been your teacher? Was it entertainment? I would think so. There's plenty to be learned from entertainment. A lot of movies do a good job of showing historical truths, at least as far as research can provide, and many other things. Even at a simple level of a, a child watching a kid's show that was geared towards their age to teach them shapes, colors, sounds, nouns, numbers, letters. Of course, there's plenty to be learned in digital form, whether it requires a television or a screen of some kind. This is learning that can be done from human to human like it always was. But there is a certain way that you take it in when it's in video format. And I think anyone can admit that. I can admit it, and even a hard-pressed, you know, old-fashioned, old-fashioned teacher can admit that the digital world can provide a lot of very easily accessible and easy-to-memorize and effective teaching tools. 
and and that doesn't mean that it's always going to be bad but when movies and video games are giving you tons of knowledge and information it means two maybe even three things that i can think of right now the first is that you may be ingesting more of that than you are in your real physical life what you actually do what you actually where you actually go and what you gain from it as far as i know i was on a television way more than i imagine most people and um it felt okay i always told myself i'm learning and i was i did learn things from godzilla movies from video games from entertainment in all directions i did i was convinced that it would be the best format to teach somebody in because it just worked for me i always memorized entire things if it was in a documentary format as opposed to a syllabus from a you know from a teacher making you do essays making you do things that do help you learn also of course and everyone learns differently but at the end of the day it seems like there's a situation now where youth is almost expected to be learning that way and that it's going to be better that we're evolving our teaching evolving the way kids learn evolving the way kids adapt to their surroundings growing up having already evolved into credit card usage cell phone usage kids are better at computers because they see them more when they're young not because an older person didn't wasn't evolved into it and that's something i mentioned in the previous episode check that out if um you haven't yet and anyway that gets me to where we are here drop your heroes it's a huge huge statement as with most things i could talk about this for <laughs> years there's so many topics to cover but i'm going to do my best to kind of whittle it down into a few things here and as i often like to do i looked into the etymology of the word hero and where it may have come from and i'm going to quickly go over the 12 parts of joseph campbell's the hero's journey which is also called monomyth as in myth about one single hero and um, as far as the definitions the etymologies the evolution of the word for once it really hasn't changed much um, it's often depicted as a man i think that has clearly changed we now have what are called heroines take that word uh for whatever you will but thankfully men and women can be the hero but the hero has typically been looked at as a man with some kind of supernatural or otherworldly or way above average abilities and sometimes especially mythology wise it's often depicted as a demigod half man half god in other words so the capabilities don't just come from some mythological assumption it's you know set in the narrative of the person but i really do want to mention the hero's journey here because a lot like what i've discussed with music what i will be discussing with music in the future the way that certain numbers line up with all kinds of different studies that are apparently unrelated but they really are quite related there are 12 steps here 
to the hero's journey. There's 12 notes available in the chromatic scale, Western music theory. There's 12 colors in the visible, not in the visible, I'm sorry. There's a 12-tone color wheel where you get these main colors that all the other ones come from. You get the 12 signs of the zodiac. And then, of course, the similarities dive farther into things of literature, history, theology, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I'm going to label them. I'm going to read them straight through. Whether they're memorized or not, I'm reading them from here, so it's coming out the right way. Um, uh, and like I said, this is also called Monomyth. It's known as The Hero's Journey. Um, it's from a book, actually. If you want to go look into this book, I think you should. The Hero with, with a Thousand Faces from Joseph Campbell. And it's not that this thing is set in stone. It is. You tell me. Leave a comment. Uh, you tell me if you think this applies to almost every movie and book you've ever watched or read. Or any story you've ever been told. Any myth. A anything you can think of. Video game. Whatever. Doesn't matter. They it, it catches most of this almost every single time in this order. So... The 12 steps. Number one, the ordinary world. They show the character living their normal life. Everything's fine and happy. The call to adventure. A potential invitation, a potential sudden need, an urge from birth that now they're old enough to be able to take care of it or whatever it happens to be. Refusal of the call. Perhaps they were called into a situation of distress and they, they can't be. The, I'm not the person for the job. I, I Why would I be the one to do it? I'm never going to be able to do anything like that. Something along those lines, right? Now we meet the mentor. So looks like the hero, potential hero is not going to do it. And they suddenly bump into their old mentor who gives them a quick little bit of insight into their own life, their past, their present, their future. Or maybe just an old story reminds them that maybe I can be that person. Maybe I can be the hero crossing the threshold often the person now leaves their ordinary world and has to go well beyond past the forest over the mountains across the river ocean lake whatever tests allies and enemies is number six and the hero goes through a number of these things maybe they meet or lose friends allies enemies and there's a few tests along the way whether it's a battle or hunger could be any of these things. I'm just giving my general ideas of what I know from the way these 12 parts of the hero's journey works. The approach to the inmost cave. This can go in a lot of directions. But overall, they're sensing in, inside of themselves either their worth or about to break the mold of what they thought they could not do. Now we get ordeal, number eight. And um, more often than not, you know, picture a movie, the music starts getting a little more intense. Orchestra starts pumping to more, you know, aggressive rhythms. And obviously there's an enemy involved, some kind of antagonist to be in the way of what normally would have been an easier journey, let's say. Number nine, reward, in parentheses, seizing the sword. As in the way to win, to overcome, to defend. Perhaps a sword is all that's actually needed. Sometimes the sword is more of something you gain mentally or confidence-wise within yourself. Number 10 is the road back. You've made it all this way. you got to make your way back. 11 is the resurrection. 
And number 12 is return with the elixir. These are the 12 steps of the hero's journey. I've seen other more uh, multi-numbered ones beyond 12, but that's good enough for now. How many times have you watched anything or read anything that went through almost word for word these exact steps? This book is fairly recent. It's not, you know, a thousand years old. It's doing its best to analyze and to put into one, you know, pigeonhole it into one idea, this journey of the hero. And very often, one of the most beautiful aspects of these stories is that, and it's just, this goes for mythology as well, the hero comes back and now not only is a better, stronger, more confident, more capable person with some brand new accolades under his or her belt, but now they can pass this along and they often, you know, they'll come back to their, their quaint little hometown. Um, they get the hero's welcome, but they also have, maybe they have some new technology. Maybe they have some new, a new way for the community to grow. And um, th I'm putting this into very general terms here. But think about the hero's journey in general now. More broadly, are you, are we, in the hero's journey, have we been placed into this construct? Is this another form of predictive programming for our own reality, our own physical reality? I would say very possibly. Let's just go, and just to make it very general, 1800 to now, approximately 225 years. It's a pretty good chunk of time. Apparently it's a blip in the cosmic scheme of time, but Overall, it's a decent chunk of time. Several generations and a good part of this country's founded history exists there. A lot of different wars and in the past hundred years particularly, documentation of everything. Up-to-date news reports with footage. Some real, some fake, in my opinion. But lots of unbelievably mind-bendingly world-altering technologies, again, wars, all kinds of paradigm shifts in almost every culture, almost every culture on the entire map that we know. And there's something to be said for that. Where are we now? We certainly had test allies and enemies, I'd say pretty recently, number six, approach to the inmost cave may have been our time where we were, you know, forced to stay indoors and not allowed to work barely allowed to go out do anything but buy food and this goes for a lot of different countries some are much much worse than others of course but um that's not a conversation for that right now then we have ordeal and then we start getting to the reward phase i would say if culture and our culture if our the entirety of the human species is within this and being passed through this construct on purpose we might be in the seven or eight approach to the inmost cave the ordeal because if you think that the whole covid thing is you know over i would say you're you're unfortunately very wrong a lot of people are kind of feeling comfortable thinking that it's all over we're on the other side of it now and it's of course never going to happen again the way it did i've thought that before boy, this will never happen like this again. We learned. We're not learning. 
it's just we as a especially this particular culture we may be learning i think a lot of people are coming to terms with the idea that our heroes um particularly our unelected officials the usual musk fauci gates a bunch the world economic forum in general I'll be mentioning them plenty <laughs> every episode, possibly. They're um, somebody to a, a group to really watch out for, I think, honestly. Not just for me, but for the kids and for anyone you know. If you love your family and friends, then you should be aware at least of what they say, the World Economic Forum. Be aware, because that is somebody's hero, too. And that's one hero that has to go immediately. So, is it all of humanity? I mean, or is it only the ones that ingest this kind of prescribed, you know, types of entertainment? It's hard for me to say overall, because I haven't researched every single continent, every single country. I'm not sure if that can even happen, but I really believe that the hero's journey is happening. And we're in it. The question is, who are actually the heroes? A lot of people that are supposed to be our heroes think people like me are absolutely the opposite. I'm not calling myself a hero by any means. But I want to at least be a bearer of what I know to be true through my own time and research that I'm taking to make this program to be the person that I've always been, an honest, caring person. I'm not a hero, but if I can have one person change their mind about something or more importantly, because I don't need you to change your mind about anything as a viewer, our relationship is really based on me providing what I, what I'm doing this week, what I've been planning on doing on a certain week for a certain episode. Some episodes are five, 10, 20 years in the making like this one. This it, I'm 40. This episode is my entire life in the making as I maybe have a chance now to discuss my own heroes that I have either quietly or very verbally in my groups um, completely dropped. Completely. Because keeping it in your life, something that you're sure is not good, it's one of the hardest things, especially when you're surrounded by it. It's like a cigarette smoker saying, all of my friends smoke all day and I'm always with them how in the world am I going to quit smoking? I know it's bad. I can't really stop. It's just always around me. It would feel so strange to be the only one not doing it. But that's how things like current tobacco usage escalate to the point that they have. And um, many other things like it. You know, drinking, drugs, whatever you want to label as negative things. It's the same thing for video games. If you play 10 hours of video games you know, let's not say a day, if you play over 10 to 15 hours of video games a week, you probably have somebody else in your life that does. And it's another thing where if you hang out with certain people, you do certain things. That doesn't mean that it's bad. It may mean that it was created not with your fun and relaxation in mind. Again, just things to think about. If I can get one person to research something that's way more important to me than at this point anyway 
It's way more important to me than somebody being like, oh, George, you're so right. Everything you say is amazing. I will listen to everything you say from now on. You are the ultimate philosopher, and you obviously know everything. None of this could be farther from the truth. I definitely don't know everything. Nobody does. Nobody does. And people may have seen me that way, but it's only because I present myself a certain way. I don't like not knowing things. When I find out that I don't know something, I go look into it as quickly as humanly possible, whether that's by the phone or I'll find out which books make the most sense or from the right time period to research it with, best translations. Um, this whole thing here is really, again, about I want other people, not necessarily to start their own show, but I want other people to take some time in the week to do what I'm doing all the time. And it's not like I just sprung out of nowhere and started doing this as soon as this show's first air date was. That was only a few months ago. I've been like this for way more than half my life. So we started the clip with a, uh, a scene from... We started the show with a clip from a Godzilla movie, as I had mentioned. Godzilla, Gojira, as he is truly known, his actual name in J Japan... The first movie is pretty serious. Black and white already creates a certain tone. And it's unfortunately very often misinterpreted for two very obvious reasons. Number one is most people have seen the American version, Godzilla King of the Monsters, with Raymond Burr in it, who is spliced in with clearly what is a different camera and, you know, all kinds of other... It, it, you can tell it was chopped up. And um, they kept the Japanese in in most scenes, if I remember correctly, which was kind of cool. I didn't expect that looking back now, knowing what I know. But I did get a good glimpse at how much editing and changing of words you get in the versions that you know we end up seeing of other cultures, art, and entertainment, particularly Japanese. Japanese anime, Japanese movies, shows, video games they're obviously a major player in our own culture it's just the way it is and maybe it should be most of it is pretty amazing but there's a lot more out there of course and um anyway the reasons that the movie gets misinterpreted the first godzilla movie before i veer off into a, a huge tangent there the trend the, the one that came out here is people think that's the original movie and it's it's really far from it i think honestly very far from it and the second reason is that, well, I guess the way to put it is that people were positive, I've heard it a million times, that Godzilla, Gojira himself, represents America, or the nuclear bomb, bombs. I've been doing a lot of research about those things. And first of all, as far as the movie is concerned, Godzilla is a representation of the creations of man that shouldn't be. He's a representation. He's coming back to get us back for doing anything that we did in those regards. Whether it's the, the Hedron Collider or a nuclear weapon. This is what Godzilla represents. 
the wrongs of humanity. It's nature getting back and putting an end to something. So, you know, don't get the wrong idea. It came out not long after what happened in World War II to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Obviously, lots of suffering, lots of pain. And I do my best not to cause any genuine problems here on this show, but again, I have done a lot of research, and I suggest that you do also. The narrative behind nuclear weapons is odd. And just like 9-11, something clearly very, very, very bad happened. But it may not be what they said it was. Yes, the planes hit. Yes, there were explosions seen well afterwards and heard and felt. And yes, the building fell down like it was a controlled demolition, which would never have happened with airplanes hitting them because they were created to not have that happen. And a very similar thing occurs with a lot of the tests and the results of nuclear bomb usage, what is nuclear power. There's probably going to be an entire episode on that. But no matter what, very, very bad things happened. And as far as what they were, it looks like there's some debate, some very hot debate on this. And I highly suggest looking at it. Godzilla, as we leave the Godzilla portion of this, as um, you can see, it is near and dear to my heart in a certain way. I've watched every movie so many times, and, and I really loved it. I thought the entertainment value was very high, and um, it touched on so many different topics, so many different current events um, in a bunch of ways. But unfortunately, beyond the scope of the first movie, what else do we get in all these different Godzilla movies? We get outer space. We get the Cold War between Russia and U.S. happened to be part of the uh, ep part of the movie that I played at the very beginning here. Um, there's actually one where he fights a monster of pollution. He's fighting pollution, but the climate change narrative is there as well. There's a movie about um, weather control, weather manipulation, and it's also the excuse was. Um, overpopulation climate change due to overpopulation we need to be able to control the weather lots of other things occur in these Godzilla movies cyborgs aliens all the, all the big stuff all the big stuff that I now see very differently and it's sad but I'm going to have to drop my heroes here I'm going to have to drop how I take in that series of movies, the Godzilla series, which is a profoundly large amount. I Even the newest ones, which I'm really not a fan of, um, they go into the hollow earth and all this other, what would obviously be labeled as conspiracy theories. So there's plenty to discuss there. And, uh, and Crow, 777 Radio, if you're listening... I got a topic for you, man. We can take down the whole Godzilla series. I'm sure you'd be interested. My fans will get a taste too, but that's something that, that feels like a Crow episode to me. Um, so what's the other big one that I would like to add to this list of things? Dropping your heroes. Um, video games. I've said it many times on this show. I 
was not a I wouldn't say obsessed, but I was what you would probably have to call a professional video game player. I still have a very, very, very large knowledge of the history of it. I've been on shows to talk about it and what I think it has done and what it's what it's become. But um you know there's good in all of these things as far as what I could have taken from them. I was a very good reader. I, you didn't have vo- voice in a Nintendo game, in an Atari game, in a Sega Genesis game. There were no actual voices to hear other than a tiny little blip of something. Nothing really that legible. It was very early technology. But you had to read. If you played an RPG like Dragon Warrior, what's known as Dragon Quest in Japan, you would have to read a whole novel and maybe more. And excitingly enough, if you didn't do every little nook and cranny of the whole game, you didn't even read the whole novel. You had to really be a good reader to get through these games. And you had to have a knowledge of things, alchemical ideas, occult ideas, symbolism, spells. Some of them have you match up earth, air, water, fire. You, you would have to know which one worked best against another one as a small example. I remember there was a spell called Illuminate in Dragon Warrior where there was a lot of dark, you know, as you went down inside of a cavern or a castle, it would be very dark, and you'd need to use this spell to be able to see. It was Nintendo. They pulled it off graphically. It wasn't a big deal. But I had to ask my parents, what does this mean, Illuminate? I had no idea. It wasn't Illuminati confirmed, but my vocabulary rose from doing that, from reading books that maybe I was too young to read. But I had a dictionary next to me. And I got a lot out of it. So this is the part of me that I, I think I gained something from video games. There's plenty of good to be had by being... If you're good at a video game, you're probably good at other things too. You can drive in a video game for five years and still not know what it really feels like to drive. But at least you know the basic principles and how you should be viewing the action. Your eyes need to be doing certain things when you're driving, and that is not looking straight down. So it does keep you hyper-aware, hyper-focused on what's around you, and these are all good things. But there's so many different narratives in these games, so much predictive programming, so much of what was obviously supposed to get people to become a certain way when using a cell phone, social media ordering your food at a kiosk instead of talking to someone at fast food, regular food. These things was there from the start. I'm sure of it. How much outer space and other imagery did I get from video games? I can't possibly tell you enough. What do I think about outer space? I think rockets shouldn't work out in, in a vacuum as far as uh, tests are proving. Maybe Goddard was wrong. Maybe a lot of them were wrong. And it's something to think about. You should be thinking about it. Because we are often presented with video footage that is not complete or strange looking. Or out of date, as in looks worse than it should. Or we're given CGI, and we're told we get CGI. We're told that. It's not that they're hiding that. It's just that it's in plain sight, and no one wants to see it. I just want to have discussions. 
about these things all the time, but I know I can't bring it up at most settings. And it's a shame. It's not me hiding from it. I'm slowly doing whatever I can with anyone I know and with anyone watching this show. And again, that's kind of the point. What was one game that really stands out for me was Doom. And I think, again, that, you know, it had a special place in the evolution of video games. But uh, taking place on Mars, alien demons, these are all the things that I'm just not so happy to promote at this point in my life. And speaking of promoting things, I've always been a humongous, diehard fan of the Tekken series. I'm quite good at it for a non-professional. And the fighting game community, the FGC, I'm not swinging, I'm not taking any swings at anybody here. There's a lot of good people doing good things there. But every tournament that I end up watching any footage of, and that's few and far between nowadays, trust me, there's masks. There's always masks. You know, this one, this kind of mask. It really hurts. It really hurts. It makes me kind of take a step back and realize that it's not my crew. That's very unfortunate because I dedicated a lot of time to it and I really did have a passion for it. I really do love it, but I don't have time. Even if I had that little bit of time, I'll open another book. I'll, I've got plenty of books waiting to be read. <laughs> oh, baby. And um, I, again, I'm surrounded, surrounded by papers. Maybe I'll show it off one day. I'll show the sides of the studio and you guys can see what I'm looking at here. So growing up, I played a lot of hockey. I definitely think it's my favorite sport. And thankfully, with this whole thing going on, Ukraine and Russia, the NHL hockey in general seems to be not standing against Russians and Belarusians because they are being ostracized from other communities, from other sports now. And the main sport I noticed, and I'm sure some of you have noticed as well, whether you follow it or not, by the way, is tennis. The ATP, the FTA, they're banning those people. They're banned from playing. The number two in the world, I think his name was Medvedev or something like that. I'm sorry about the pronunciation. Number two in the world, banned, can't play. Number one player in the whole world, who you may have heard of, Novak Djokovic. He earned it. The guy's been playing great for a long time now, <laughs> 15 years, I don't know. And I don't even follow it that heavily, and I know. But he is not allowed to be playing right now because he's not vaccinated. The number one player in the world is not allowed. I happen to notice some footage of the most recent 2022 U.S. Open, which I've actually had the privilege of playing at with this great Hawaiian band that I was in for a while. And uh, Josh, if you're out there, heads up, man. Haven't, haven't spoken to you in a while. We had a great time, and I got to see some live tennis. Um, it, it was, it's a great experience there. I thought it was great. I really did. They even treated us well as a little simple band. Doesn't often happen when you do that kind of work. Point is that I saw some U.S. Open footage this year, and which company is being advertised on the on the sideboards? It's Moderna. Of course it is, because they're such a successful company that's made all kinds of 
wonderful things over the past 20, 30 years, right? Or is it that they've never actually made a vaccine until they suddenly made one recently and um, was one of the ones that was being administered? Yeah, choice B, by the way. Um, <laughs> so these things and more are reasons why I have to, I'm going to have to, I'm not going to be staunchly opposed to the broadcasting of tennis, but when they're flashing Moderna and there's lots of kids watching, I don't like that. And when they're banning certain players for either not being vaccinated or because they're from the largest country in the world, I'm not on board for it. If it's on while I'm at someone's house, I'm not going to tell them to change the channel. But if they make a comment about something, I might end up making a comment as well and expressing my own opinions and feelings because I'm allowed to, because I want to, and because I want to have adult conversations about these things. I want to see what other people are or are not seeing in regards to these things. They may not want to, but they probably have a very good reason to drop their heroes. And it hurts. It's hard if you have kids. They're going to come back from school or wherever, and they're going to be into something. And then, and then you're going to be the lame parent. It's like, you can't watch that. And they're going to say, why? And their chances are they're not going to understand the explanation. Depends how they grow up and where they grow up. But these are very difficult things to broach with your children. And my two children aren't really old enough yet for that. But I'm going to try to raise them in a way where they will be ready to at least discuss it in an open format. Honestly. That's my hope. And because I'm already there mentally, I think it's going to happen. And the kids coming up now are, they're going to be the ones to carry these torches. It doesn't make me a pseudoscientist. It doesn't make me, as Carl Sagan said, a demon. Enticing kids to want cell phones. That's the work of a demon. So I'm just going to kind of finish off my list here. I, I, hit the big, I hit the big ones. But aliens in general. I wanted nothing more. I really did as a young kid. I just wanted nothing else but that. And the way they're passing off the alien thing, it's really getting hot now in the news. And... I'm not convinced in the slightest bit. Prove it. There's no proof. There may be footage of something, but there's more conclusive proof through video footage of things that go against the narrative than things that go with it. It's okay to be a skeptic in any direction, and it will almost always benefit you in your life. It's a guarantee. At least at first, be skeptical of something. Because most things are too good to be true. And then some things are so good that they must be true. So pick and choose, of course. And this brings us to outer space, as we were discussing earlier. But all I'm going to say about this, since I've discussed it in previous episodes, and I'm sure it's going to come up again and again with guests and other episodes coming, the Nixon phone call. 
He picked up that green phone in the Oval Office and he spoke to people on the moon with apparently relatively low leg and radio waves between two very, very, very fastly moving bodies, rotating, spinning, flying. I'm sure anyone listening right now just thought, yeah, I don't even get good cell phone service in a lot of spots. (laughs) It's the way it is. They weren't able to test that ahead of time. They simply, that was the pilot run, and it worked perfectly. I'm not convinced. Not at all. So... And and I guess I'll tail off with this too. They destroyed all the data, telemetry data specifically, and they, in quotes, as you go look it up, they don't, even if they did, they don't have the machines to play them back. This was the, these are their own words. It's a painful process to build it back again, as they say, even though there's far more funding than there's ever been by the billions. If you're worried about your tax money, clearing out debt for a bunch of struggling people that, yes, they shouldn't have had their school debt, but school shouldn't cost anything to begin with. So let's just end that discussion. Um, NASA gets more money than almost anyone. Just NASA alone. So at least put that into perspective. Why is the equipment and data destroyed from the most important thing that humanity has apparently ever done? I don't think I've really heard an explanation for it. Not one that's satisfying and not one that isn't the exact narrative they want you to believe. And speaking of narratives you should believe, what about history in general? I've personally discussed Christopher Columbus here, but there's plenty of other ones. And I can't tell you how many times me, whether I was very young or nearly ending high school, thought to myself, is that really how it happened? Truth is often stranger than fiction, but you can smell fiction a mile away. And a lot of these history books nowadays, it's a little alarming, to be honest, with you. And I don't like saying to be honest, because then that means what were all the other words that you just said? You know, <laughs> that, that phrase has really taken off lately, to be honest, dot, dot, dot. I'm hoping that it goes away as soon as possible. Like all these acronyms we use in our texting, why can't we just text it out? Or, you know, people just talk their texts nowadays anyway. I wish the acronyms would go away. Um, I'm not going to go into full detail about it, but as far as your heroes being the writers of history, they're often just the ones that won a war and so on. It can be commendable if you're fighting true evil. But history is written by the winners, without a doubt. And they never let a good crisis go to waste. This kind of falls under the same category as um, science and scientists. Now, keep in mind with the teacher thing, amazing teachers working for peanuts 
working for almost nothing compared to what they should be getting. Yes, they get the summer off. It doesn't mean they have this huge decompression valve just open up and they're done. It doesn't work that way when you have all these kids' lives in your hands. Not their physical lives, but their mental lives. It's, it's all you. And before junior high, it's one teacher the whole day. So can we, can we pay teachers a little more? Is that ever going to happen? I remember the game of life where you fill up the car with your family as it gets bigger. I remember there were salaries and the teacher's salary was so low. I didn't even know it until then. I'm pretty sure I asked my mom while we were playing the game. I'm like, why is the teacher getting paid so little compared to the doctor <laughs> and the lawyer? <laughs> answer that question. Again, I don't think you're going to get a good answer, unfortunately. Um, so, heroes. Einstein. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Elon Musk. Bill Nye. I thought these guys were it. I thought this was it. The great man theory. Without them, when would this have ever happened? Or is everything already planned to happen and they just push the right players in at the right time? Actors at the highest level. It doesn't mean they didn't have any professional skill because that wouldn't work. You can't throw a regular old-fashioned dude in front of a press conference to answer questions about outer space. That's not going to happen. And they have to be answered the right way. Otherwise, the narrative falls apart immediately. They get caught with little things here and there. It's not important that you get gotcha moments on these people. When I play a clip, which I'm about to, it's there for a reason. It's there because I want you to see what they're saying, not because they're slipping up. What they're saying should make you think, and it doesn't. It often gets taken as the holy gospel. And I think that's a big problem. There's a lot of respect for the old philosophers. What they wrote. Also taken, relatively speaking, as gospel. Sometimes mythology. But the modern-day philosopher is all the scientists and the like that we idolize. But there's never anything to take home from them. Yeah, Obama wrote a book, but we don't get books from these people that are what you expect. Maybe that's part of it. But there's something missing. There's something wrong. And when you get comments from this, like from Bill Nye. Your world just becomes fantastically complicated when you don't believe in evolution. Fantastically complicated. Yeah. I think the opposite is very true. With all these theories and lies on lies. Everything's so complicated that it takes a rocket scientist to figure it out. Or an astrophysicist of which you will never meet one <laughs> or you will never grow up knowing one. Oh yeah. My friend became an astrophysicist where I'm telling you right now. And I stand by it. I don't know any, I'm feeling none of you do. Not that I have this ridiculously huge audience yet, but where are they? Why are there so few and far between? Is it because you have to be a complete genius? We're all 
pretty damn close to being geniuses. We just are being held down by the constraints of our society. The financial constraints alone are enough to bog you down enough to not want to research or learn anything ever once you get your job that you keep for the rest of your life. Cubicle, whatever it is. What else are you going to learn? I'm lucky to be a musician because I really doesn't really end. There's always homework, so to speak, um, even if it's just for students. But there's not a lot of jobs that keep you going or have any reason to keep you going. They just want you on the hamster wheel. And it all comes down to what happens with your kids. Here's Bill Nye one more time. It's a hard thing to find a kid who doesn't love dinosaurs. And there must, there's probably one, but I've never met him or her. Of course we all love dinosaurs. I was trained to love dinosaurs. And every time I turned on the television, there they are. Find me kids programs that don't have an image of Saturn, spaceships, dinosaurs, evolution, ideas and themes, the globe being shown from outer space. Find me one kid show that doesn't have it. It's not about education at this point. It's, it's there unnecessarily large in unnecessarily large amounts. It's a, it's, a non, it's a non-statement. Why would he even have to say something like that if he wasn't on the defensive? I imagine that that part of the clip that I showed you, not to take it out of context, he, he was answering a question about um, people who, well, people who refuse to believe the earth is as old as they say it is. People who refuse to believe that the cosmos is what they say it is. Who refuse to think for themselves or who refuse to believe that we are pointless and we're just flying around doing nothing out here in the middle of nothing. Absolute nothing. Instead, what if we were living in a world that was actually, use this term as it is, but created for us? What if we do have a grand purpose? What if there is more to it? Beyond the physical. I think there's a lot of really, really good that can come from such a thought. And yeah, maybe my viewers and myself aren't necessarily the youngest. There's still plenty of time left. Imagine being five and learning alchemy, or at least the concepts. Just to stay healthy. Forget about, you know, learning how, how to keep food uh, preserved or how to grow it. All kinds of other things coming from it. Growing food is alchemy, I guess, in its own way. Um, you don't appreciate what science has given you if you don't believe in evolution. These are the words of Bill Nye. He's telling you, you don't appreciate that. You know, you have a, a toothbrush that, that can rotate its bristles. And then you get toothpaste in a tube. You don't appreciate that because you don't believe in evolution. It's, it's a reach. It's a reach for somebody like him to say something like that. Would he be on this show and talk to me? I doubt it. But that would be nice. We've got plenty of questions, honest questions.
that I want to hear his answer to. Well, I guess I've already heard the answers to lots of those questions. <laughs> but they're being asked by, you know, National Geographic, Big Think. They're not on our side, much like the World Economic Forum and other institutions like it. It's my opinion. But I think a lot of people share it. And after the whole nonsense of the past few years, I think a lot more people share it now. And they're looking. It's a good reason to be careful. They know you're looking. It's not like you're secretly finding things out about the government they don't want you to know because you have the internet. They also control the internet. So whatever you find, they're making sure that it's okay. They can't get rid of everything. Things like me, they can't get rid of it all because that would be really suspicious. If anyone still isn't convinced, I think that would convince them. If all opposing narratives were dropped immediately. But don't let them convince you that your kids are in danger if you believe this. That's a tough sell for me. And it should be for you too, in my opinion. Yep, descent by natural selection. That is evolution. Well, to end with this, movies, comics, cartoons, I've got plenty that I can label. I grew up with just loving. I can think of The Land Before Time and, ah, the first Jurassic Park. I can think of a lot of things that I don't, I won't provide time for them anymore. It's not like I have all the time in the world or anything. But I'll have even more time to do things, to learn, to be with my kids and wife and family if I spend almost no time on all of the things I just discussed. They're there as distractions. I truly believe that sports is a distraction. And from what I can tell, it's really working. People say they don't have time to learn things. They learn everything about their sport. I've said it before. I want to mention it again because I want you to think about it. And that's what this show is about and will always be about. Dropping your heroes can be painful and difficult. But it can actually open up your world. And you can breathe with a sense that you have a little extra time in your day to do something you want, not something you got addicted to or thought you needed. What you need is to learn more. It's not over yet. Learn, learn, learn. Even a casual internet search, even some clicking, clicking, clicking on YouTube, this page leads to this page, leads to this video, you can learn something. It's not like YouTube is the worst thing on earth. You can obviously learn. I hope people are learning with me on YouTube. I'm going to be on other platforms very soon. You'll be able to find me on Odyssey and BitChute. And I'm looking to get myself on some audio um, platforms as well. Apple Music, Spotify. If there was one last hero to drop, and I could discuss it now, 
I would always say Disney. They're in the movie category. It's kind of already been mentioned, so to speak. Could do a whole thing on Disney, but think about where you shop and think about where you spend your money. Who are you supporting and helping? If you had a local business, you would really love it. Trust me. If more people went to you instead of Walmart. You have an online website where you sell things. How happy would you be if people came to you instead of Amazon? (laughs) Your kids are going to get into a Disney movie. It's going to happen. I'm not telling you to pull them away from it. I still think digital entertainment can be really awesome in so many different ways. But think about if you were to drop some heroes, who and what would they be? And what can you replace them with? Thank you so much, guys. This has been a very unique experience for me to talk about this stuff so candidly. And I hope you got something out of it. And we'll see you guys real soon. Interviews, episodes, and more. Thank you so much.